stocks, bonds, ETFs, straight out of downtown Chicago. This is Zach's Market Edge. Welcome to Zach's Market Edge, the podcast about investing in your life. I'm your host, Tracy Reinick, and today I'm joined by Dave Bartosiak, the editor of the Momentum and Surprise Trading Services, to talk about a very important topic, especially now that we've had this pullback. I feel this is a good thing to cover, and that's basically how to invest with confidence. I've been getting a lot of questions about this, Dave, um, but they don't actually put it that way. They're not like, Tracy, how do I invest with confidence? Sure. No, that's not really it. But they want to know, um, are they doing the right things You know, with this big pullback? Is there anywhere to go that's safe if the pullback comes back again or we have another one? And, you know, you can feel that there's just like a little bit of the lack of confidence out there in a lot of investors. And I feel also because a lot of people started investing in, say, the last two years and we didn't have a downturn in that whole time, really, like at least not a substantial one. And so people haven't had to deal with any of these issues out there with pullbacks or anything. And so their confidence took a little bit of a hit in the last couple of weeks, I feel. <laughs> yeah. So, um, so let's start off. Like, let's say you are one of those newbie investors. You've just been investing the last year or two, and this is like your first pullback. Um, what do you do to keep the confidence that you've acquired? Do you have any tips? Yeah, there's, there's a few things. Whenever I, I've had a lot of friends, asked me recently too, you know, what do I do? How do I get in the market? How do I get started? What do I do? And the thing that I tell them is you don't, don't go into this thinking that you're going to check your balance every day and understand that you're going to make mistakes and it doesn't really matter. And I know that sounds funny to say, but as long as you're consistently putting money into the market and you're buying solid companies, the market's going to do what it's going to do. And even every downturn ends eventually and the market goes to the upside and it's okay. You don't have to time it perfectly in order to make more money than you would anywhere else in the market. I was just looking at this earlier today because in my Zach's Confidential, here's here's a shameless plug for Zach's Confidential. <laughs> um, I'm looking at the tops uh, in 1987, in 2000, and in 2007 and what the market did at that time and what it looked like. And pretty much at any time in history, if you were unfortunate enough to be that one person who invested their entire savings at the top of the market, right. you would have had to wait seven years to break even. Yeah. Pretty much at any time in history. But this is like what the media puts out there, right? Because I know a ton of the media, the articles were from the 2000 top and they'd be like, well, if you had bought, you know, in 2000, you're still down X, Y, Z percent by like 2005 or whatever they were putting these articles sure. out. And I said the same thing. Who puts all of their money in at one time? Just one, one big lump sum. Nobody. No, nobody. No one ever yeah. in the history of the world. So that's dumb. Or just one really unfortunate person. Right. There's got to right. be, There's one gotta be at least there, right? one. They won't admit it. That so never... in 07, right. <laughs> wrote it all the way down, said, yes. I hate this. And, yes. then, and then maybe they were <laughs> unfortunate enough to, to do it again in, 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 uh, 
you know, or they did it in 2000 and they did it again in 07, maybe. Yeah, maybe. But I don't think so. I don't think just, so either. You just continue to invest, continue to put money in. You have a long enough time frame. It doesn't matter, especially when you're talking about retirement accounts. Yeah. I feel I mean, like the oh. dollar, that's the dollar cost average method where you're just putting Absolutely. in set amount every month. You're not really caring what the market conditions are like. You're just buying it. Right. If you're younger and you're in a 401k, and by younger, I mean like under 50. Yeah. I would even argue up to 55 that you should be cheering the market to go down. Yeah. Because it goes down, you're buying cheaper, and you're not using that money today anyway. Now, we deal with a lot of people who have money in non-qualified accounts, so you have access to the money. You know, those are those, those taxable accounts, so not in the IRAs. And because the money is, you know, it's right there, like you could touch it. In three days, I could have my money out. People think that maybe they should access it. They should try to play, and they get a little bit too slick, and that's when you end up losing money. You just keep your time frame out to the long run and know that there's not one perfect way to do it, and, there's, and there's, you're not going to lose your money by buying a company with solid earnings over the long run and and investing systematically over time. Yeah, I feel that's where like a lot of people get that um, confidence shaken is if they're in individual stocks, something, you know, something happens on an earnings report. Like let's just even say Walmart today that wasn't, it was okay. And then, you know, shares are down kind of big because everyone's now worried about Walmart again. <laughs> We've been sure. worried off and on over the last couple of years. You got Amazon competition, rising wages and costs and blah, blah. And so someone who had been a big believer in Walmart over the last year, I feel like their confidence is, is a little shaken today when they see those shares off nine or 10% on this earnings report. So what about for someone like that, um, should they just tune out the earnings reports or, I mean, I, I don't want them to tune it out completely because these reports do tell you what is going on at the companies. So you still have to pay attention. But I feel like there's a lot of noise around the earnings reports always. And that seems to shake people um, more than it should. You got to see if there's something that's a paradigm shift that has taken place as a result of this earnings report. So is there something so groundbreaking that's happened in the business that now it's changed the fundamental outlook of this company over the long term? And that's what you should think in every single earnings report that you hear. And if the answer is no, I still think 10 years there's going to be Walmarts all over the place, then you should be looking at this as a buying opportunity to get into the stock. If there was a sale at Walmart right now and Black Friday deals and everything's 30% off, people would be banging down the door to get in Walmart to buy TVs off the wall, right? Yeah. But if the stock's down 10%, we don't want to buy the company. Doesn't make a lot of sense, does it? So as long as there's not some huge paradigm shift that's taken place within the company where now you say, you know what, I really don't like where Walmart is headed over the course of the next five to 10 years, then you stay the course. Yeah. Would it be like a, would a paradigm shift be one like the applied optoelectronics scenario that we've seen play out over the last year? I don't know if you're aware of what went on there, but they do the data centers. With the switches. Yeah. And yeah, they, so. one of their big customers was supposed to be Amazon, but they might have lost Amazon as the customer. They only have three big main customers, apparently. So if you lose like one of your main ones, or maybe you're losing them, that seems like a paradigm shift to me. That could be. Yeah. 
much Absolutely, different. Absolutely, because now you look at the fundamentals of your business and you go, wait a minute, we were really depending on that one company, unless they can diversify away from that risk by adding on new clients. Um, and I think that's been the bull bear argument over there for the last year anyway, or yeah. two years, yeah. um, going back and forth there. But, you know, when you're looking at a company like Walmart, huge, big company, um, is Walmart going to be here in five or ten years? I think the answer is going to be yes. And what's, I don't the dividend on Walmart probably a little bit more than the ten years paying right now? Yeah, maybe I think in line so. The 10 year. Yeah. So you're still getting paid to wait. Um, you know, you can reinvest those dividends or obviously you can take them as income and invest them in other stocks. That's a good point. Um, so e- either way, and, and that goes back to that, oh, if you bought at the top of the market, you know, we make all these calculations without including any of the dividends that may have been paid out um, on, on the market. Yeah. What if, um, well, under these scenarios then that we were just talking about, should it, does it make sense for investors who are having more of a crisis of confidence to be in the bigger caps versus the small caps? Because yeah, because it's more dangerous. Your, your confidence is shaken. You probably think that anything that you're t- you touch just just turns to garbage, right? Yeah, you got like the reverse Midas touch syndrome. <laughs> yeah. Um. So so when your confidence is shaken like that, then then you want to sort of diversify a little bit more. So you, so if you can't be company specific and you feel like you can't pick a company right, could you could you pick a sector right? The answer could be no to that too. Right. You could just pick, just buy the index. There's nothing wrong with that. Yeah. With buying a broad-based index, with getting into an ETF, um, and for a lot of people, for most people, that should be the core sort of workhorse portion of your overall investment portfolio, anyway. Yeah, I don't know if you saw the recent stories about how um, these alumni at Harvard went to the Harvard Foundation, like the investing foundation. You know, they have like billions of dollars under management there in their um, investments. And they basically went there and are demanding that it be put into like the S&P 500 index and the small cap index. And that's it, because apparently um, some of them had went I think they went to one of the subpar performance. Yeah, like they're those the active endowment. yeah, the active managers at Harvard are underperforming and they had heard Warren Buffett argue that, you know, the hedge funds underperform and you'd be better off in this combination of like the large cap, you know, like the S&P 500 ETF and then partially in the small caps. And so sure. they've basically gone gone to them and are like demanding that this be like enacted because it's it's a better way, but that that's not a bad way to be in if your confidence is shaken as you just said. Like you could buy the Vanguard S&P 500 which is ticker VOO or the the Spider one which is SPY and then you could add on the Vanguard small cap ETF which is just the ticker VB and then you have a nice little portfolio there. Yeah, for sure. And then you do that, but then also, you know, go back to buying what you know. Do the old Peter Lynch philosophy of things. Yeah. Right? So look around you. What are you using? You know, I have a lot of friends that, uh, you know, wear Jordans and wear Nikes. So we'll buy some Nikes. You do? Right? What a shock. Yeah. <laughs> I never would have guessed. <laughs> buy some Nike. Yeah. Um, you know, what kind of car are you driving? You know, although that's, I guess that's a whole other argument. We know I can start getting into that into the nitty gritty of the car business. But um, but that's the kind of thing. Are you driving a Chevy? Then buy some GM, you know? Yeah. Um, yeah, that, 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 that it doesn't kind of it doesn't always work. 
100%, I feel, the buy what you know, but it at least gives you something um, somewhat of a um, advantage because you already do know the products. So, and I think that's a good way for people to relate to these stocks and start yeah. to learn a little bit more about about how these individual companies work. Yeah. And then you can start to see the trends. You know, every time I'm, I, I go shopping with um, my friend, it's like they know exactly what's hot in what stores and what's not in other stores and, and what's selling and what's not selling. And then I use that as a little bit of insight into the retail world of, oh, okay, maybe these retail stocks I should look at. Maybe these other ones I should avoid. Yeah. So you well, have an edge often and you don't even know it. Right. And I do feel like that gives you some confidence. Yeah, it does. And then if it doesn't work out, then you could, you know, if, if you're seeing at sort of that grassroots level, if you're seeing company A is selling a bunch of shirts, right, and they're always busy at that store, then you might know that, you know, eventually something's probably going to turn around here. And maybe there's something that, that the market doesn't like, but fundamentally you like the business. So don't don't think that you have to be a Ph.D., in order to in order to be successful investing, because you don't. Right, Peter Lynch. Um, you know, he used to be run the Magellan Fund for years and years. That was a big time mutual fund, and he would just go get his haircut at places, and he'd be like, "I like this place. Like, where did, didn't he go to haircuttery or somewhere like that?" Yeah. And then he discovered it was you know a chain of hair hair places that was publicly traded, and so he bought some of that, and then. Um, I think some of the others were his wife giving him tips on like where to shop. Like she came home with bags from some store once and he's like, what are these? And she was all into it and excited. And so he bought some of that. And then he bought Home Depot, I know, very early on because I think he was down in the Atlanta area or wherever. Um, There were more stores down there and he thought it was a great concept. So, um, yeah, but he doesn't always believe only by what you know. Obviously, that gives you this edge because you know the company, um, at least from your own use, and then to go do your research always, of course, because... Sure. I had, I had gamer friends of mine who were telling me about NVIDIA a couple of years ago. Yeah, I remember that. And I should yeah, have listened. And, <laughs> yeah. And they, yeah. Uh, you know, they should have listened, though. Yeah. I talked to a few of them, like, oh, man, I should have followed my own advice and bought it. I was like, you know... <sighs> Come on, guys, just do it. It's like what, there's like this analysis paralysis that happens where they want to pick that perfect investment at the perfect time, and you don't need to. Right. You really don't. And that, you know, you get started with a thousand or two thousand dollars or whatever it is. That's not going to be the last thousand or two thousand dollars you're ever going to have. It's not going to make or break your life. If it, if, right. if, if you, if it is, the wrong choice yeah. and it goes down to nothing. Yeah, if it is, then then you shouldn't you be in there. Investing. Yeah, yeah. And but that's you know, so so when you have a little extra money, don't be afraid. Don't be afraid to roll the dice on something that you know. Yeah. Now, what about if we do get another pullback, which we will, we'll get another correction at some point. I'm getting a lot of questions about you know where is where is safety? Is it in bonds, mutual funds? People ask me about ETFs, but ETFs you know are owning stocks usually. Um, you know what stocks are the safest? And my advice always is like these nothing is a hundred percent safe. What do you feel about like the safety question? Well, I don't understand. 
like safety from what? You know, it, it's like right. they're, they, they're afraid of the unknown. Yeah. Like this thing of, oh, where do I hide? Where do I hide? Where do you hide when what happens? You have to like clearly define what happens. Yeah. So this latest volatility spike that we had, or, you know, the stock market goes down, pretty much everything goes down while these bond yields are going up. Um, and everybody's freaking out because that traditional switch from, you know, bonds to stocks just, just wasn't there. Yeah. Right. Um, so then that, that brought an awful lot of feet into the market and people were trying to figure out where the heck do you hide in a situation like that? Well, remember, it's not just, it's not just U.S. centric companies, right? We're, we're not just here in large cap U.S. and that's it. Right. There are funds that are diversified internationally that are in developed markets that are in emerging markets that are in all sorts of different all sorts of different asset classes across the globe, which carry different risk profiles along with them, but also have varied correlations. So they're not all going to move in one direction all at once, right? Right. And then so historically, our quote-unquote safer stocks are going to be the ones that pay higher dividends, that don't have these huge growth profiles, which equals risk profile, um, where you can hide out. So when you think about utilities, Traditionally, that's supposed to be a better place to go, but if interest rates are hiking up, utilities aren't going to be so great, right? Yeah. Because you're kind of stagnant on, on what you're getting there. I think we have to kind of define what we're afraid of and, and what we're trying to hide from, I suppose, Yeah. Um, when we're trying to figure out the, the safest places to end up going. Because if there really is a true risk-off sell-off that happens, Bond yields are not going to be ticking up. Bond right. prices will go up. Bond yields will go down if there's a true risk off yeah. that happens in the market. That's what I feel like. If if there's a true one, you're, you're not going to be safe anywhere. Like there is nowhere to go. In terms of in terms maybe of gold. Equities, yes. No. Yeah. In equities, no. Um, but maybe you'd be in gold or something else. I don't even know. Or even cash. Cash what might look good is, soon. You know, what, would, what would cause a real risk off? <laughs> I don't situation? know. Everybody has that fear probably because of 2008. But we're not in 2008 anymore, you know. In, in the risk off scenario in 2008, I mean, that was like a liquidity crisis. Right. A once in a through down the line. 75 so year event. Forced deleveraging events that yeah. were taking place. Yeah. Um, which is a lot different yeah. than than uh than what we're seeing today yeah just a different it's a different world you, the leverage is different now than it was then i'm not saying there's not leverage but right it certainly is right um but it's a it's a different sort of leverage i believe today or at least i, I guess i i have enough faith in mankind that i hope that it's different leverage today <laughs> yeah me <laughs> right. too for sure now, what about the FANG stocks? They've been around a couple of years now. It was, you know, that's a place a lot of investors got confidence because they bought, they've gone up big. Everybody feels real good who owns those. But is that a false sense of confidence that investors are getting there? Like they think they're yeah. investing geniuses, but they're really not. Like should should investors be a little worried about FANGs? I don't know that you have to be worried. I don't think you have to be worried about FANG, but I think FANG is going to be Look at look at where Microsoft has been. Yeah. So Microsoft was the first thing, all, all by itself. Yeah. 
basically. And then, Them and then Cisco had a lost decade. Yeah, right? Cisco had a lost so, decade too. Yeah, so so economies of scale kick in eventually, and you get to this point where they've they've kind of reached this critical mass where they're just going to chop sideways. Now you could argue that Netflix has a lot more to go. Mm-hmm. Of of those four, I would think that the growth is the growth potential. Possibly Netflix. I'm sure a lot of people would argue that Amazon because they're going to take over everything in the world. Right. But I think Amazon is going to start running into, uh, John Blake talks about this, running into antitrust issues yeah. if they keep on bundling the things the way that they bundle. Right. Don't you see, I, I saw something with Amazon um, just today about the credit card now. They're giving you 5% cash At back or something. Foods? Yeah. And um, yeah, so they're bundling that with the Whole Foods with the with the Visa now, and it's like a Prime credit card or something like that. But I could see them bundling that with the Prime and all this other stuff. And yeah, I don't know. I mean, a lot of other companies yeah, are be. bundling too, but with their credit cards now, with the you know the the points and all of that stuff, the travel ones and all that. But I don't know. Yeah, it's not necessarily getting rewards points that's going to make or break this thing. But it's oh here now you have a, a online streaming service plus now right. here's your all your shopping right you're gonna get a discount plus now here you're gonna so when they stack that many layers on it yeah that's when eventually you you can see something like that and that's what happened to Microsoft in order for it to go sideways yeah you had those antitrust issues yeah and then it's dead money for a decade yeah so that's I guess all I was trying to do was justify my reasoning behind. Netflix potentially having more growth um, than Amazon without yeah. people raging too too hard on me there. <laughs> <laughs> I feel like they will anyways. Um, yeah, for sure. <laughs> um, okay, because I know a lot of people own the fangs, basically everybody. It's just like what you own now. So that's something to watch going forward with, you know, investor confidence, I feel, will be in there. Yeah, but I think eventually that just becomes like, you know, the Fang stocks become the uh, the blue chips. Yeah, for uh, sure. You could argue they already are. Yeah. Um, except that two of those are in the same business, which is just online advertising, pretty much. Right. Right. Okay. Not exactly the, the the type of diversification you typically get. Yeah. Or the safety that you get with a consumer staple. Right. Right. That's for sure. Um. Okay. Let's. Uh, do you have any any kind of stock? tips for anyone for 2018? You know, we had this pullback for those who are a little bit, we've talked about, you know, quite a few already that if investors are kind of, uh, mess, you know, having issues with their confidence right now with this pullback, there's there's always these big cap names you could go into. We talked about the, the ETFs you could do, maybe staying away from some of those individual small cap stocks, but doing the ETF there. And then obviously there's fangs, like the new blue chips, basically. But is there anything else that you think, I don't know if there yeah, is. I just like, you know, looking at Zach's rank number one strong buys that have pulled back close to their 200-day moving average. Okay. Because um, that's a very easy thing to look at. Uh, you don't have to be an expert market technician to piece that one together. Uh, you can put a 200-day moving average on pretty much any charting platform on Earth. And, uh, you know, you can easily screen for Zach's rank number one strong buy stock. And just look for those that have kind of come down to that level. Okay. Because over time, 
you know, if a stock is underneath the 200-day moving average, it better have a darn good reason for being below that 200-day moving average. That's a major significant shift in the trend in the market sentiment. Oftentimes, they bounce at that 200-day. So when you see stocks coming down to that level, and I like using the Zach's rank number one strong bias because we know that the earnings story is still there. That analysts have come out and increased their earnings estimates over the recent term, and that stocks stock price tends to move up with earnings. And if you don't believe me, open up that price consensus and EPS surprise chart for any stock on earth except for Amazon, right? Yeah, yeah. <laughs> but pretty much any other stock out there, you'll see that it tracks with earnings. Yeah, so that's a good point. And there's over story. there's about 240 of the Zach's number one ranked stocks too. So it's not like you're super restricted if you are only looking at the number ones. You have quite a lot yeah. of choice there, but you're going to restrict it with the 200-day moving average. That'll knock it down a, a number. You, you'll be, I, I don't know, how many do you normally get if you screen for that? It, I'm sure, obviously, it, it depends on the day you're so you screening. Just, yeah, but... it just depends. Really, there's no easy way to screen for it. You okay. Just look at your Zach's rank number one. Okay. And then uh, you're just typing one okay. by one into whatever your charting platform is. And okay. then you can see if it's come back close to that 200-day moving average. And then, uh, and then there you go. Okay. All right. Well, that's that's definitely a good tip for people out there who are looking, you know, for stocks that they might be able to buy with a little more confidence and help their investing confidence here. Because it is a question I get asked a lot. So I'm glad we covered this because um, we I don't think we've ever talked about this on on the market edge. And I've been doing the show almost three years now, so um, that's a lot of episodes to not talk about these issues, but that's because this is the first pullback we've seen in, you know, two years, basically. So nobody's had problems with their confidence (laughs) up until now. Um, But let's go over a few of those tickers again. So we talked about Walmart, WMT, might want to go check that one out. Applied Opto is AAOI, but I don't know what's going on over there now with their customers and stuff. But um, the last I looked, it was not recovering on the share price. So something is still going on, but that's that ticker. Then again, you have the um, S&P 500 ETFs, VOO and SPY, and the small cap one, VB, and then we all know the FANG tickers. Do I need to say the FANG tickers? No, I don't yeah, need might to. Well. Okay, so Amazon, AMZN, Facebook is FB, um, Alphabet, is Alphabet still the G? We, I guess it is. Um, G-O-O-G-L. Yeah. Everyone still calls it Google, right? Am I the yeah. only one? I rarely call it no. Alphabet. Who no, calls it that stuff? When, when people start calling it alphabet, then you know that you're old. That's true. <laughs> it's like you the know, Sears Tower. When they call it the Willis exactly. Tower, you're like, dang, who you calls look at it? Them crooked. Wait, did you or hear? The, the people did, who. Did you yeah, hear? The yeah, about the Hancock, that that name's gone. I, I'm sorry. We'll just keep calling it that. Someone will buy the naming rights. They haven't sold it yet. But it's just the John Hancock. That's how it is. I feel bad for whoever whoever buys the old, naming rights. I had old broker broker buddies of mine who used to call um, CLF Cleveland Cliffs. They wouldn't. Uh, oh, okay. They, they refused to adapt to call, um, and then now it's Cleveland Cliffs again. So it was Cleveland Cliffs, and then I think it was Cliffs Natural. Okay. And then now it went back to being called Cleveland Cliffs again. Okay. Names are important, <laughs> man. People get attached. Um, and then sure. we had Netflix. That was the final. That's the end. A lot of people want to put NVIDIA in there. That's kind of the pseudo end, right? It's either or. 
It's two ends. Fang Plus. It's like the the new ETFs that launched. It has Nvidia in there. Oh, but original Fang is actually that Nvidia trade is going to stop. I know. As um, bullish as I am on Nvidia and have been. Okay. Um, Ooh, that's know. something we'll be watching. Yeah. We all um, know. Like all good things. Well, that's it's got to slow. Yeah. Oh, yeah, for sure. Um, yeah, we'll be keeping an eye on all these. And as but always, I, was off by, I don't know if I told you. No. So I did a video with Jeremy, Jeremy Mullen. Okay. Top stock picks of the week in December of 2016. Okay. And I said that by the end of the year, by next year, that Nvidia would be at 250. Ooh. I missed it by I missed it by a month. Wow. There okay. You go. So so I'm Take scared about I'm scared that you're saying you know it has to end now. The great Dave Dini strikes again. Yeah, I don't know. Your crystal ball <laughs> seems like it's pretty good. We'll see. Okay, I'm I'm gonna mark this down. So we're gonna have to watch it now. Um, yeah, okay. I mean, it, at least you need some choppy sideways action. You okay. Know, it just can't this exponential can't move. Keep. Keep doing uh, has it. Has not been supported by the, the earnings. Okay. That's good to know. Got to keep that in mind, too. Um, okay. So we'll be revisiting all these topics and more. But if you want to check out our old podcasts, be sure to go on to Apple Podcasts or the iTunes and subscribe to the Market Edge there. You can also subscribe on SoundCloud. Plenty of people over on SoundCloud checking us out. But we are, have a new episode every week and you don't want to miss any of them. So be sure to subscribe so you get it right away. And I'll be back again next week with even more investing opportunities. 